the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a final look at God's response to Job. Today, on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, welcome. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, who takes us back to chapter 41 of Job once again. It's a message simply entitled Leviathan. It is a look at God's response to Job. Now, he doesn't answer any of Job's questions, but he simply reminds Job of who God is and who Job is and the vast chasm of difference that lay between them. Please join us for a very encouraging reminder of who God is. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Learn from Leviathan to tremble before the voice of God, the everlasting burnings of His majesty. Notice the continued description, verse 22. His neck is as strong as Behemoth's tail. Remember Behemoth's tail? It stood straight like a tall cedar. If he gets into trouble in his deep sea haunts, he flips his neck and he is perfectly happy again. Verse 23, his skin is impenetrable. And verse 24, all of this makes his heart like a rock. Why is this? Because he fears nothing. Nothing. And since Leviathan is intended to reveal God's glory to us, we should be greatly encouraged by this picture here. Please listen. We live among shouting, screaming, scheming, thieving men. And some of what they do and threaten is a little bit scary to us. But we need to remember the comparison between God and Leviathan. Leviathan laughs. And what does Scripture say that God does? He laughs at the heathen. They do their worst and he just chuckles let them do their worst god is untouched god says i've created leviathan to show how absolutely untouchable i am by all of the schemes and the wrath of men in some respects we might even say god's heart is rock hard in the sense of he is confident in his own strength he's not impressed by Man dust, threatening him and scheming against him. We go terrified when men threaten to do this or that, but God just laughs. Next time you're outside working and you see a little ant go by, and unless you're one of those who picks up your skirt when you see an ant and you run into the house, just remember, God holds all of the heathen, the scripture says, in derision. He just blows them aside and steps on them. 
And that is, of course, one of the reasons why they grow so furious and desperate when their schemes just can't succeed. Because we live again in God's world. All of their fiat money, their backward room globalism, their media lies, their political theater. These things are dangerous from our our, uh, perspective. But we must not consider them apart from our Lord. They are fulfilling His purposes. And no one can resist His will. And we are shielded by God's strength, which is greater than that of any Leviathan or any cabal or any bully or anyone who threatens danger to you. We need to fear God. I don't want us to leave here today without emphasizing this. We need to apply this lesson from the lesser to the greater. As tremendous as Leviathan was, we must certainly fear the one who made Leviathan right. All of his strength came from God. Leviathan's strength was as nothing in comparison to God's. Now, the reason men are senseless to this is because God doesn't come breathing fire. He comes merciful and he is long suffering. He delays his judgments. He will have the world saved through the gospel of his son. But even so, one of the most common directives commanded in scripture is to fear God. And to fear God is to love him and adore him and reverence him. It is something like what Calvin said in the Institutes when he said, Even though there were no hell, yet we should dread offending him. The funny thing about it is, the closer a man walks with God, and you can always tell this, you can tell it in yourself, you can tell it in your children, the more he adores God. If you were best friends with, say, the president of Morocco. And maybe he drives around in a big stylish limo and he has several big jeweled rings on his fingers and he eats gourmet food five times a day. But if you hang out with him for very long, the grandeur would most likely wear off because you would know him in his bad moments and when he is frustrated. But it's not like that with God. The closer you are with him, the more you adore him and the more you reverence him, the less you want to sin against him. Young people, that is a good way to know what kind of influence the world is having on you. The more you are with certain groups of people, you can tell their influence on you, how you are talking A little curse word coming out every now and then. An off-colored sensual joke. Your eyes wander a bit more. Evil company corrupts good morals. We can always tell the effect company we keep has on our lives. We can always tell if we're walking closely with the Lord. And that's because we dread offending Him. We love Him. We want to serve him. But again, speaking as creatures, we would kind of like it if we had Leviathan as a pet. 
Now, now, granted, no one can have Leviathan as a pet. That's the whole point of chapter 41. But imagine for a moment that you have a fire-breathing dragon, and it's not tame little Puff the Magic Dragon. But it condescended to live with you, and, you dw- and dwell with you, and you roll over in your bed, and ach, you hit the scales, and now you have this six-inch gash on your back. I wonder if he's about to sneeze. I, I better back away. All of this is lost on us, that we should fear the Lord. He draws close to us, and we draw close to him. But I wonder sometimes if part of our problem, part of my problem, is that I have imbibed too much American Christianity, which is an idol. It's not real. After all, God should be convenient, right? God should make your life comfortable, right? God has given us principles to live the American dream, right? After all, if you don't have enough money, you certainly don't have enough faith. And if you're sick, oh, you definitely don't have enough faith. What there's not much of in American Christianity is, let us have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and with fear, For our God is a consuming fire. He loves us. He's near to us. He's in covenant with us. But he does not exist as our personal lucky charm. He is God. And our place is to adore him and to trust him. No matter our situation. Notice here in verses 25 through 34. That God created Leviathan to humble the pride of man. And I actually think verse 34 is the theme of this whole section. Now, Leviathan, interestingly enough, from the description, does not appear to be really much of a manhunter. He doesn't terrorize, it seems. His dwelling place was in the sea, so God kept him at a safe distance. If you got too close, he might crush you, or he might sneeze, and you become a marshmallow. So... You need to stay away. Verse 25, the reference there, by reason of breakings, they purify themselves. That may be a reference to sailors who thought, you know what? I may meet Leviathan on this trip, and I don't know if I'll live through it, so I better purify myself through sacrifices. Second part of verse 25, when he raises himself, the mighty are afraid, and they should be. Verse 26, because sword and spear don't touch him. Verse 27, he breaks iron like straw, brass like wood. Arrows don't make him afraid. Sling stones are turned into stubble by him. Darts, the same thing. Stones, you're going to throw sharp stones at him when his skin underneath is rock hard. He sleeps on rocks. He makes the sea like a pot of boiling ointment or a pot of soup when he goes through it. And he creates a great wake. He obviously had a great tone to him, verse 32. If you go after him, you can see where he's going, but don't go near, verse 33. Because upon the earth there is nothing like him and he has no fear. What a creature this must have been. He beholdeth, verse 34, all things. He is king over all the children of pride. 
as great as a man is, all of them were humbled beneath Leviathan. What is the point of this section? Well, if man stirred clear, steered clear of Leviathan, then Job, the Lord says, you need to remember your place when it comes to your complaining against me. You're doubting my righteousness for you, my love for you. Who did the Lord make this point to? He made it to a godly man, Job. And we're like, okay, the questions are over with. Lord, that was kind of rough, and yet Job, you say, was one of your favorites. Job was the Lord's faithful servant. We know that. And now we're at the end. Chapter 42 is it. The Lord is about to restore Job. But God is not doing this for a dramatic effect. It is because Job must be humbled. Job was a godly man, but Job must be humbled. Job walked close to the Lord, but Job must be humbled. We see the same dynamic in our Lord's dealing with His disciples. He was near and friendly with them. It says, we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He took Peter, James, and John especially into His familiar company on the Mount of Transfiguration in the agony of Gethsemane. But even so, he was not hesitant to rebuke their unbelief. Remember, he said, O slow of heart, get thee behind me, Satan. His words many times must have carried a sting and made their hearts gulp with shame and jump for joy all at the same time in amazement with Peter especially. The Lord was patient with him. He was near to Peter. He put up with him. He warned him. He told him, I'm praying for you, Peter. Can you imagine the Lord of glory telling you, I'm praying for you? Well, beloved, you can be sure he is praying for you. He's your mediator. And yet he looked at Peter across that courtyard with a look of compassion mixed with such penetrating knowledge of Peter, so that Peter knew it and he felt naked before him. That is exactly the way the Lord deals with his people, you and I. I wonder sometimes if we don't just by and large in the Christian church serve a false God. We serve a God who would never want to expose our sins. He always wants life to go on the way we want it to go. He would never cross, cross our wills or rebuke our expectations. Is that what we find in Scripture? No, the godliest men are the ones who are afflicted the most. The godliest men go through the deepest trials and women. You see, we can't tame God. If we are His children, He is going to draw near to us. He is going to show us the intimacy of His covenant. And when He does, it can actually be wonderfully uncomfortable, kind of like Leviathan's approach. Okay, man, look at Leviathan. There he goes. Just touch him. Don't touch him. The encounter is perilous. And this is much truer with respect to God. He invites us to pray. He loves us. He is near to us. And especially if we are ever broken or in a contrite spirit. There are so many promises that if we lived a thousand years, we would not begin to exhaust His goodness to us. 
But at the same time, we must yield to him and submit to him and fear him. If you're growing in grace, you're going to grow in more intimate terms with the Lord Jesus Christ. We see this in John 14, 21. One of the great glories of being a Christian is that the longer we are Christian and the more we seek the Lord, the more of himself Jesus shows to us. John 14, 31. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he who loveth me shall be loved of my Father. And notice this last line. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. What an encouragement. Draw near to the Lord and to expect him to show more of himself to you. I hope you believe this. We do not have a stingy, cold-hearted, miserly, military commander God. We worship a God who loves us. Make sure with your children you communicate this with them, beloved. We're not running army camps. You know, sometimes we look at our children and we do delight in them and we love them. And we forget God loves us infinitely more. Somehow you parents with young ones need to communicate this to them. We need to communicate God loves us. But don't forget, if Leviathan was king over the children of pride, God is king over all. He dwells and he dwells with us. Who does? The Holy Spirit. And we have got to be careful not to offend him. Christian brothers and sisters have told me that there was a time when they took Christian liberty to mean that You know, they could watch whatever they wanted to watch and listen to whatever they wanted to listen to. And it just wouldn't have any effect on them because we have Christian liberty to do those things. But they quickly learned that wasn't true. And it is because God is holy and he dwells with us. And if we offend him, then you can be assured he will chasten us. So let me encourage all of us to begin the lesson from the school of Leviathan. We are never going to hate our sins unless we fear God and feel what a horrible thing it is to to displease him. When I was in high school, I had a teacher who was also one of my sophomore football coaches. And he was always, I mean always, pushing me to be better. I had him for my typing class. And he would push me above everyone else to type more words faster. I don't know what happened. I can type hardly at all now. And it was much more than he did the other students. And on the football team, he was grueling. When we would do wind sprints, which were where you would run 100 yards, 10 to 15 yards at a time, stop and go, stop and go, And every time we would stop, he would cry out, Wagner, where are you? And if I wasn't in the front five, he would make me drop and do at least 10 push-ups. Then before a certain game, of course, against our cross-time rivals, we practiced a defensive play over and over and over again. And when the game came, I screwed the play up, and they scored a touchdown. When I came over to the sidelines, Coach Rogers bent his clipboard over my helmet. He was that 
disappointed in me. Oh, he pushed. But the more he pushed, the more I wanted to please him. The more he pushed, the more I was. I can do this. Now, granted, it's a poor analogy, but there is this sense in which we've got to get back a hold of God is real. He is not just something we come to on Sunday. He walks with us. He told Abraham, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me, Abraham, and be perfect. As Coach Rogers was trying to make me be. Genesis 15.1. There is a sense in which the only way we are going to overcome sin is if we dread displeasing God. Not because he's going to zap us but for something more wonderful, more terrible than God's happiness is God loving us. God's love is more wonderful, terrible, wonderfully terrible than His judgment. So we should want to please Him and serve Him. Now that sometimes means that we will be on a sickbed or someone we love is on the sickbed or we're going to lose something that we think is very precious to us like Job did. He lost a lot of somethings, right? And Job, as, a godly, as godly as he was, was scratching his head and saying, this just isn't fair. I thought I was a godly man. Where is your righteousness, God? Why aren't you talking to me? Don't you see? And God says, yes, I do see. But do you see Behemoth? Do you see Leviathan? Job, you can't understand my power. You can't understand my purposes. It is foolish for you to try and take me to court. Let me tell you what I want you to do, Job. And this is getting a little bit into chapter 42 now. He says, I want you to put your hand upon your mouth. I want you to trust that I love you. And like David, I want you to fall into the hands of the Lord. For only with him there is mercy. You see, this is a big boy view of God. But we, we don't see much of this today. Not because it's anything new. It's because we do not read Scripture as we ought. So let's go to the school of Leviathan and learn to fear the Lord. Now there are more questions here to draw out the points, but let me just encourage you and me. What a privilege it is to walk with our God. You're going to walk with him at work tomorrow. And most of you women in your homes. You're going to, you're going to walk with him in difficult situations in your family. Oh, my friends, please don't try to squirm out of them or pout over them or complain about them. Just stand still. And know that God has got his purposes in your life and he loves you. So pour out your heart to him. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for these lessons. And I apologize for my poor attempt to look at them. But I praise you for your glory in this enormous creature. And for what you teach us about yourself. And for the guidance you gave us in these verses. For how are we to use this creature to understand your majesty. 
and how are we to trust your power and your care for us, how we are to reverence and fear you. We pray that we would submit our lives to you and trust you at all times, that we would not doubt your wisdom or your power or your goodness, your faithfulness, your love, your mercy that surrounds us. If only we could see more and our faith was clearer to know that all of your angels are loving us and defending us and taking care of us. And you are watching over the church now and throughout the world. We bless you for your greatness in Christ. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. It is our goal and desire that you would abound in grace through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And that is why we come to you on a daily basis. Now, as we close out our time together, we also realize that some of these messages that are presented here on Abounding Grace are well worth reviewing again at your convenience. Maybe you joined us a bit late. Well, we have copies on CD. They're just $5. Mention today's date as you call or write to us. Here's how to get in touch with us. The phone number is 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're welcome to also visit our website, learn a bit more about us. We're at reformedheritage.org. Again, reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, if you would love to partner with us, if you're feeling led of the Lord to become a financial partner with us as we continue this ministry here on this station, please write to us at PMB number 402. And the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, The zip code is 95032. Or, again, simply call us, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. You're also welcome to join us for worship. Sunday services here at Reformed Heritage Church are at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. We meet at the Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon. Directions can be found at reformedheritage.org or by, again, calling 408 Eight six six five six zero seven. We thank you for joining us and trust we'll see you again next time we get together for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Mm-hmm.